All right, good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chav Ches in Maseches Ksubos, and hopefully we'll have the Koyach to finish the parak. Uh, don't look now, but next parak is Elanaris. That's like Yeshiva, Yeshiva days. Okay, let's start from the Mishnah on the bottom of Chav Zayin So yesterday, I apologize for missing, there was all the discussion about, right, whether you can testify on whether a woman was Nitma, let's say, um, it was all the Rahman on the Holocaust sugyas, right? The different situations where you have where where you have all kinds of um, times of war and people are displaced, people all over the place. Today, uh, more specific ideas follows. Amar of Zachariah ben Hakatsov. So we were introducing him yesterday. Zachariah, the son of the butcher, he said he turns. He was also a Kohen, by the way. Uh, that was my uh, that was my grandfather. Uh, my my grandmother's father, I should say, she was from uh, Alei Shalom. She was from Suvak, as Rav David Lifshitz's town, and her father was Maitkis the Shaychet. He was a coin and a Shaychet. He was the Shaychet of the town of Rav David of Rav David Lifshitz in Suvak. So anyway, when uh, when in those days the Shaychet was like the assistant rabbi, because he would answer, he, he would answer a lot of shaylas and did a lot of shchita. And he needed to know stuff. Not everybody knew stuff. Anyway, so Amar Rabbi Zechariah ben Akatsav, Lozazo Yodamitok Amonazeh. Amonazeh is like saying, I swear by the heavens, right? Um, right in my own is some allusion to the heavens. Lozazo Yodamitok Yodim Mishash Nichasoyov de Kachavan Shalain Vachayatsu. So what happened? Like a pogrom, right? In Yerushalayim. Now, when that happened, as we discussed yesterday, <coughs> there's an assumption that the of the Kachavim were violating the women. And he was a Kohen. And therefore his wife should be also to him uh, if she was violated. You know, again, if everybody's dispersed and you don't see, and you just see these people, they're rampaging through the town. So then there's this assumption that she was, that she may have been violated. However, Zechariah ben Akatsev was made on his own wife that she never left his side. We were holding hands the whole time. She never left my side. And therefore I know she was not violated. And therefore, he should continue to be able to live with her. After all, don't forget, he's a Kohen. So, Amrullah, what was the Psaq? Ain Adam Mayed Al Atmo. Person cannot be made on himself. So, just like the woman can't be made on herself, the husband can be made on his wife. You could say, Ishto Kagufo, right? In other words, either that or it's his own self serving needs. One of those two possibilities, be that as it may, he does not have, right, credibility to be made on his own wife. So therefore, he would have. What would he have to do? Would he have to get rid of her? So let's see what the Gemara says. So if it was quiet, he'd be okay. If he didn't say anything. If who didn't say anything? The Rabbi Zakaria didn't say anything. Oh no no no! There was a high, he was trying. If he had not said anything, the assumption was we learned yesterday that everybody was violated. It's terrible. So they had during the time of the Holocaust, people came. You know, how are the Kohanim going to get married? So they had a lot of kulas. They had a lot of different ways to allow them to get uh, those women to get married. After all, they weren't really all violated. That's one easy way to get out of it. Anyway, be that as may, Tana. So the Gemara says, That's unbelievable. Rashi, the first Rashi in the Gemara, So that's what Rashi explains. He was a coin. And she was, in fact, also to him. In other words, he couldn't uh, be with her, right? However, he could 
kind of live side by side with her, like in a platonic relationship, like best friends. Isn't that amazing? In other words, she was still in his life. He couldn't cohabit with her, but he could live with her in the same courtyard. And they would take precautions. Their children, whenever she would leave, she would leave first. And whenever she would come back, she would come back after, which is to say, they never had yichud together in the chatzar. There were always other people around, but mom and dad like stayed platonically together, so to speak. It's unbelievable, uh, unbelievable scenario. So Abaye, Abaye, now Abaye wants to know. So that would be the case where, where again, there was an assumption that there was, not, that there was some Toma, that the woman was nitmates and she's ushered to him, but it's an assumption. It's not a riot. We don't have any, any solid proof. He thinks that she wasn't. And so Chazal allowed them to kind of live uh, in the same place, albeit not together as husband and wife. So now Abai wants to know, what would you say in a modern family amicable divorce? Okay? Where uh, Kohen, uh, let's assume also in this particular case, as we'll see, not necessarily in all these cases, but a Kohen, let's say, gets divorced. So... Uh, he's, at that point, he's not allowed to ever be with a divorced woman. So what would you say? You might say that in the case of Rav Zechariah ben Akatsev's wife, the reason why we allowed them to live in the same courtyard afterwards and we were not as concerned about, uh, about the yichud is because, after all, she was shvuya, And as we said yesterday... It's not like we know for sure that these women were violated. It is a chumrah to regard them as violated. So therefore, that chumrah, midir abanan, we're allowed to relax in a scenario where we think that, that there's not going to be cohabitation. We're going to just not say that you're for sure, for sure, usher, right? In the case of Grusha, her status is not in question. In the case of Grusha, the only chashash is, are they going to end up cohabiting together? But certainly her status is, is a vadai usher to him, right? So therefore, are you going to say it like this? Are you going to say over there in the case of Shvuya, where it's really a case of a chumrah that we were mekil of al hachalo, but in the case of Grusha, we're not going to be mekil? Or maybe you're going to say no, that it makes no difference that a, that a, that a Grusha is treated with a chumrah. However, we will still allow them to stay in the same chatzar. In other words, both the Shvuya and the Grusha, we're not going to let them live together. They're just going to allow them to live in the same chatzar. So another way of asking the question, Barry, is to say, does the fact that the Grusha is a vadai, right, as opposed to just a chashash, as opposed to just a precaution, does the fact that she's a real vadai influence the fact that this Kohen um, that was formerly her husband is allowed to live with her in the same chatzar, right? In other words, would you apply this unusual din of being allowed to live, right, like best friends in a chatzar, but just not together, would you apply it to the grusha? Now, mind you, for Israel, there's also this Isser of Machzir Grushaso, technically, although that's, Isser really only applies once she marries somebody else. That's about to play into the Gemara, right? If a, if a couple gets divorced, and then the woman goes and marries somebody else, and then subsequently is no longer married to that person, be it via divorce or death, so then she's at that point going to be usher to her former husband in the same way that a grusha 
in general will be also to any Kohen. Okay? So are these people allowed to live in the same town? Well, this actually comes up a lot, guys, because you have divorced couples with custody, right? And are they allowed to live, and let's say the divorced couples both remarry, can they live in the same town? That's a real question. So says the Gemara, Tashma. Let's look at a Brisa. We're going to try to figure out, is the halacha the same for a Shvuya that is allowed to live in the same Chatzar and a, a Grusha? So the Brisa says like this. Hamagar Shasishto, a person divorces his wife. He should not remarry. He should not remarry and then live, or she should not, rather. She should not remarry and live in the same neighborhood. Isn't that unbelievable? This is a Yisrael. Right, Rashi, last Rashi on Chavzayin of Beis. Lefisha Mechira Ber Makira, rather. Lefisha Makira Ber Mizosav, Bekritosav, Shemi Avoila De Aver. In other words, they have a familiarity with each other, and they're having like this modern family amicable divorce, and therefore we have a Chashash that there's going to be an Isser that they're going to violate if they live in the same town. Now, how do you define town is a massive discussion here amongst the right Mepharshim, but be that as it may, Let's just stick with the facts here. They're saying that if a person is a regular Israel of Machzir Grusha, so they can't live in the same town. And then the, as we arrive at And if her husband was a Kohen, then they can't live in the same Mavoy. Okay? In other words, a Kohen can never live in the same Mavoy as his ex. And Israel can't live in the same neighborhood once she remarried. Okay? So that, so we have the same, the same town, the same Mavoy, Shkunatso versus Mavoy. And then, Im Hayakfar Katan, if they dwelt in a small shtat, a small city, Zehaya Maisa, Ve'amrukfar Katan, Nidon Kishkuna. So the question was, what do you say in a case of a small city? Silver Spring, right? Kfar Katan. So that, is that have the din of a mavoy, or does that have the din of a shechuna? A shechuna is what we colloquially call a neighborhood. A mavoy is like, like the the bungalow colony, right? In a uh, right uh, a, a series a series of houses leading into the street. Like you shouldn't live on his block. We'll call it. The truth is, I'm using these colloquial words, but the mefarshim really right. They they talk about which is more. Which is which is more chamer? If you see the first Tosos on Chavches Amid Aleph, Mavoi Dechevan Depnuyahi Kile Avalim Nisais Ain Tzarech Laharchek Ela Kadei Shchuna, right? The Hainu Gimel Batim Kedamin Besof Perakama. Okay, so Tosos thinks that the Shchuna is like the the immediate neighbors, right? So he thinks that the Mavoi is a wider perimeter. Some say, I believe that some say. That it's not exactly that. That it's the that that maybe a mavoy is more. So we're not sure exactly the parameters here, and that's not for us to discuss as poskim now. But the point is that again, whether because again, Tosfos is saying that it's an unbelievable thing that once the woman right gets remarried, then she can live even closer. So according to Tosfos, right um, to again a divorced couple where both of them, let's say, get remarried, they just really shouldn't live a few doors down. Three doors, or, or, or as the Hainu Gimel Batim is, uh, as Tosa would say, three doors down. Is there a lot like this today? Uh, 
So that so that's so that's a question. I'd imagine I'd imagine that it would be a halachic issue to have divorced uh, couples that are remarried uh, living next door. I would imagine that that would be a halachic issue today. Next door, you know what I mean? They probably make it up to three doors down. I'd imagine. Could if they talk to each other, you know, concerning their kids. Okay, so that. Right, so that, that, that's a good question. What would be the, the issue of, of Yichud? Or, or would this even apply today? Let's say, forget about, right, let's say a Grusha, uh, right? What does that mean that you, you shouldn't have, well, you're really not supposed to have Yichud with anybody who you're not married to. That's a very special case, the case of the Yichud. I don't know if, if there's anybody in the world today that, that applies to this case where there was a, you know, a Holocaust survivor who was a Kohen with his wife where I think they were making all of those relationships to have full marriages, all of them. I don't know that there was anybody who was machmir to live together but never have yichud with each other. I don't know if that happened today. That part I don't think so. Anyway, let's move on. So the Gemara asks at this point like this, me nidchem ipnei me. This is a halacha question that could happen. <laughs> you have a divorced couple and they uh, both remarried but who gets to keep the house? That's what me need me. In other words, if you can't live in the same within the three houses of each other, so who has to move out? Okay, so Tashma, the Tanya, he needs panav, vein who needs paneha. So Bryce says that no, he gets to keep the house. She's displaced, and he's not displaced. Yeah, but if it was her house in the first place, then who needs paneha? Yeah, and he has to go find. Uh, a sketchy apartment, right, Andrew? So Ibailahu, he's going to have his bachelor pad and she gets to keep the house if it was her house. So now they want to know, wait, wait a minute. Oh, so the assumption initially was that it was his house. So if it was his house, then he keeps it and she has to find a new place. If it was her house, then she keeps it and he has to find a new place. Perfect. So that all makes sense. But Ibailahu, they were in love, David, and they bought the house together with their savings. So now who gets to keep the house? Right, So Tashma, he nitches mi panav. So the Brisa says that she's displaced. Well, that's what our Brisa says. So now we're going to see if we can find uh, some inferences from our Brisa. All our Brisa says was he nitches mi panav. So you see what happens here. In the first case, I assumed that it was his house, but that's not what the Brisa says. All the Brisa says is that. Really, usually she's displaced unless it's her house. Oh. So you make a diuk and you infer that the only time where he is displaced is if it's her house. But if it's joint, so then the default would be that she would be displaced. That's the inference that the Gemara wants to say now. In other words, Tashma, he me It's obvious that if it's his house, that she's displaced. But rather, we're dealing when it's hers. Can't be, because we said that if it's her house, then he's displaced. So it must be that the case where it says that she's displaced, we don't have to learn the case when it's his house, because it's obvious. It must be, we're inferring, that in a case where they jointly owned it, uh, because they bought their first starter house with their joint savings, uh, she's the one that gets displaced. That's what the Bryce is probably saying. So the Gemara says, not necessarily, no. Dilma de Agir Megar. Agir Megar says, you know, that Bryce might be referring about a rental. That's what Agir Megar means. 
and therefore it's not a proof, right? We're not really talking about joint ownership. We want to know what would happen if they both broke their piggy banks and had joint ownership, like actual ownership. This is not, maybe the Bryce is just talking about a rental, okay? So the Gemara says, okay, so then my Havila, what's the, what's the halacha? So it says the Gemara Tashma. Okay, let's let, make a proof from the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Ine Hashem metaltelcha taltela gaver. Where's this Pasuk from? We play this game with Birnbaum and Yitz uh, to see if we can remember where the Pasuk's from. I guessed Eov, but it's not. It's, Ide- it's Isaiah. It means Hashem's going to cause you to wander around taltela gaver, like the wandering of a man. And this is a curse, right? To Klalisro. They're going to be wandering around. Okay, well, if you're going to wandering around like a man, why is it say you're going to wander around like a man? Must be that wandering around like a man is worse. Yeah, because a man is less capable of taking care of himself than a woman. And therefore, a man, when he's wandering, wandering, it's, it's, really, it's really pathetic. So, uh, so therefore, you see a lot of single moms, and they got it together, right? They can make a life. The single dads... It's it's a it's not quite as it's not quite as pretty of a picture, right? They're a little overmatched by life, and so that's what it means. It means that since it's more difficult for the single dad, so to speak, to to uh, to live in that way, and therefore, um, right with that halacha, they said that that that's worse, and because that's worse, they let the guy keep the house, okay. In other words, if the woman is displaced, she's going to make it. She'll be fine. She'll find a rental. She'll, have, she'll be organized. The kids will be in good enough shape. They'll be taken care of. Whereas if the man's displaced, it's going to be achen and that's why we displace the woman. That's a very interesting, uh, very interesting scenario over here, okay? All right, anyways, <clears throat> let's see. Tanur Rabbanon. Lava heimena b'nichse aviha. Oh, an interesting case. Let's get back to this halacha. So again, a Kohen, let's say, divorces his wife. Now they're not supposed to have yichud together anymore. As, and that maybe would be even halacha bismanazeh, as Goranowitz points out. So what about scenarios where you need to get together, right? All the, so let's say you're divorced, but you have this amicable, right, modern family, and you get together for Thanksgiving, Barry. So like all these awkward family situations, are they allowed to be together? So watch this. So, for example, you know, during the time that they were married, this is, as Rashi explains, he was using some of her father's money uh, to start up one of his, right, harebrained business ideas. So he borrowed money from her dad, and now he's got to return the money. Time's up. He's has to return the money. But by this point, they're already divorced, so he's got to return it to her. So are, is he allowed to show up at her house, ring the doorbell, walk in and give her the money. They're divorced. She's a Grusha. He's a Kohen. Are we going to say, right, that the halacha is they shouldn't be together like this, says the Gemara. Yeah, don't do that. Don't go to her house in person and give her the money. You have to give it through a shaliach, right, because we're concerned about this yichud. A similar halacha. Huh, right, so let's say they have Unfortunately, a lot of these divorced couples have ongoing legal battles, bad custody, and all kinds of mishagas. So they show up to the bezdin. If you're seeing that they're showing up in the same car and there's only one car in the parking lot, the bezdin is not going to see them. 
they have to uh, have they have to present separately. They're not supposed to be together. So therefore, if the Kohen and his divorcee show up, lo mazdekinu, we're not going to adjudicate the case because they're not supposed to come together. If Papa Amar worse than that, we're going to give them cherem, right? Excommunication. And we give them Malkus. Whoa, okay. That's severe. Um, fine. They're going to give Malkus to both of them for showing up together. Um, okay. Amar Nachman. Tona Be'evil Rabasi. There's a Brisa in a Masechta called Evil Rabasi. Uh, Andrew, when you, when you learned this with Rabbi Teichman, did you ever learn Evil Rabasi during uh, Dafyomi? Oh, it's only a minor term you tractate. That it's, you're too good for that? Okay. Um, that's what Rashi explains. It's Masechtahi Yekorinosa Smachos. Some call it Masechah Smachos. You may have heard of that. It's a Vizuhi Mishnari Shonashalah, a Goises. So Smachos, my foot. It's one of those Sagi Nahar, where it's called Smachos, but it's really talking about all the Avelos. Hagosis means a person who's on his deathbed. All right. Uh, why is it not called Hagosis? Why is that not the name of the Masechta? It's called Masechah Smachos. Anyway, the point is, it's in the back of some of the Gemaras, these minor, more minor Masechtas, and um, they're not in the Dafyomi cycle, put it that way, or in the Yeshiva cycle. Anyway, that's where this Brisa comes up. So what did it say there? When do we say that a coin uh, can't collect without a shliach? When they were divorced after what? They already had an Isuin. Just to say, it's like pas besalo, right? That it's a situation where they have that familiarity that we aforementioned, therefore are more likely to be with each other and there's more of a yichud concern. But if they got divorced before they ever even had nisuin, nifras aide atzma. She can go and collect the money on her own. That is the familiarity that we were talking about. In a case where that familiarity does not exist, we're not as concerned about Yichud. Fine. Let's tell a story about this, okay? So we had a Chosen Kala. They were, right, a Kohen, let's say, and his wife that were a Chosen Kala. They realized before the Nisuin that this was not Shaykh and they, they divorced, okay? So now they have a monetary dispute and they come before Rava without a Shliach. Yosef was one of the Dayanim sitting there. And Rava was there, and Oki Rava Shlucho Ben and he noticed that Rava appointed Ravada Bar Masna to be the intermediary, the shliach between them. So I'm like Ravada Bar Masna, Nachman Tana and we just quoted from Nachman that he quoted from Evil Rabasi that what that if it was only a situation where they they got divorced from Erisin, that you do not have to have an intermediary. So why did Rava appoint one? So Rava answered Kachazina Dekagaisi yeah, I saw they were getting really chummy with each other. I mean, there's different kinds of chasen kalas. Some of them, like, have never seen each other. Some of them are very, very close. And you're always like, you know, you're almost like, these, these kids need to get married right away. And so I saw they were too chummy. So I said, okay, we, they, need, they need a chaperone over here. And that's why I pointed them. So obviously these things are subjective, right? It's not so ironclad that, oh, Harrison, you don't need. Kiddushin, you definitely do need. There's a spectrum here, Barry, okay? And so Rava uh, decided that they were a little too chummy and he appointed a shaliach. Okay.
Another version of that story. That in some versions of the story, he did not give him shaliach. We got to get these two a chaperone. So and Rava said to him, and it was in that version of the story, Rava was the one that asked, right, Rav Ada, why are we giving a chaperone? After all, they only had Erson, they never even had any suin. So Amalei, Rav Ada said to Rava, trust me. Yeah, usually uh, if it was just Erson, they don't need a chaperone, but these two most certainly do need a chaperone. Okay, so that was the second story, the second version of the story. So now we're on the Mishnah on Chavchesamid Aleph, and we say the following, Labriyut. Okay. So, back to a fascinating, we quoted this Mishnah earlier. Fascinating idea of Adis. Back to Adis. Let's get our head out of this and into Adis. Can you testify on something that you saw as a kid? Fascinating question. So there's answer is some things you can, some things you cannot. So we are going to be makil in areas of Darabanan. We're going to be makil to allow you to testify about certain things. So for example, So if a person says So and his father is no longer alive, and he was only a kid uh, when his father died, Rashi points out. But he could still testify, that was my father's handwriting. Or Zek Sav Rebbe, that was my Rebbe's handwriting. Zek Sav Achi, that was my brother's. Zachor Haisi Beplonis, or I remember this and this and that. She Numa, this is how we got into this in the first place over there in Ksubis earlier. We talked about whether the woman gets her 200, right, Zuz, Ksuba, and a child's memory of her wedding uh, that was specific to a wedding of a Basula would be enough. Right, to testify. Of course, again, a testimony, the actual Adis is happening when they're adults, right? But they're testifying on something that they saw when they were children. So if you saw Shiyatsubi, Inuma, Barosha, Parua, all these telltale signs of a uh, Basula getting married, we accept that to give her the 200 Zuz Ksuba, right? As Rashi explains. So this has to do with Kahuna. We're bringing it all together at the end of the parak, Andrew. So this is the other thing. Remember, we talked in the parak about whether the different testimonies of a Kohen. So here, here, a guy says he remembers, I remember my buddy, whenever we used to leave school, Yotzim Be Sefer, he used to have to go and be toivel before dinner to eat his truma. Oh, so that's enough of a testimony. Even though it was elementary school, it was enough of a testimony that the guy was a Kohen. Okay, he would divide truma with us at the granary. And one and the different situation now, base of pras is a field. So you say, I remember that this was a field that was that was plowed. That's how you determine that the field is tame. As you might recall, we had this discussion in Erevin. Anyway, or to say where the tchum was. We used to walk up until here as kids when we'd go on our Shabbos spazir. We used to walk only up until this place. You're believed to determine the tchum Shabbos now. Why you need, uh, you know, can't you just determine the Tchum Shabbos now is a good question in, in its own right. You don't need really testimony for that, per se. But be as it may, that's his testimony over there. Okay. So all those things, an aide is going to be believed to uh, make, base his testimony on his childhood recollection. However, 
What are those cases? The would be so and so had a path in this place. This we remember we talked about that for monetary things a guy comes back and we have to remember like which was his field and how we access his field. And so that was something that was agreed upon by everybody. So we talked about this that, that when a guy's field is surrounded by another guy's field, there had to have been some access, but there's a loss of recollection as to what the access was. So if there's a real aid, so then we follow that aid, if there's testimony as to where the, let's say, path was. But a child's recollection of the path, we're not going to allow. Not that we think that he remembers that any less than any of the aforementioned cases in the Mishnah where we do believe him, but rather because this is a motzi mechaver al right? The, the guy's going to have to give up a portion of his field. That we can't do based off of a testimony of childhood recollection. The Maimon Misbed is like the guy who used to have a soapbox where he used to do the espadim and used to say his rants. Anyway, he used to have a special place. That too requires setting aside from, uh, from someone else's area to appropriate it to him. And so it's a version of taking mamon and reappropriating it to somebody. So even if someone had a very strong childhood recollection, it's not enough to, uh, to, write, to designate that Maimon Misbed for that person. Okay. So, let's see the Gemara. The Gemara says, Amar of Huna Bredev Shu of Hushiesh Gadol Imo. Wow. Tostas points out over here, all these cases are only the cases where you needed two Adim. So, for example, the Truma doesn't need two Adim because we already talked about that earlier in this Masechta. But all the cases that would, would normally require two Adim, while it would make sense, all, the, the Kula is not as great as you think. So, what it means is there's two Adim, they're both Gadolim, and one of them's recollection is as an adult. And the other one is a gadol also, but his recollection is a child recollection. That's the kula. That one of the two can have that childhood recollection, but not both. Okay. Fine. Says the Gemara, And we need to have all of these halachas. That's the question. Why do we have to have ksav yadr shelzeh, ksav yadr shelzeh, in this case, of your father, your rebbe, and your brother? Why do you need to have all three cases? As follows. Yeah. So if you had only learned the father, you say, well, he recognized the father's handwriting. He always saw his, he saw him, his kiss for Yad all day long. So he's authoritative for that. But his Rebbe, okay, so you had, he was his third grade Rebbe. It's not as um, common for him to remember his third grade Rebbe's handwriting. Alternatively, if we only learned the Rebbe, yeah, he idolizes his third grade Rebbe. So he remembers it very, very well. Or he was really impressed upon him. He was in awe of him. But his father was so commonplace that he was less, uh, paying less attention to the handwriting. Okay, and if all he learned was the father and the Rebbe, what's the deal with the brother? So all the reasons we said. The father, you recognize his handwriting. The Rebbe, you're in awe of him, so you remember. You're neither in awe of him, nor do you really pay that much attention to him, so why should you recognize his handwriting? You would have thought, therefore, that the brother you don't re- um, consider authoritative to recognize his handwriting. Kamash Malan, no, that you are. In fact, that childhood recollection of, of recollection of your brother's handwriting is valid because Kiev and the Kiev Shtaris Midurabanan, Heiminurabanan Bidurabanan, because the whole Kiev Shtaris that we're talking about in general is a rabbinic decree. And therefore, right, as we said, yes, uh, as we said, when Dafir Ches, that really the Adis and the signatories on the star speak for themselves, Mido Raisa. And therefore, the Durabanan want those authenticated. Yeah, but they were able to make the rules, and therefore they said, 
we'll, re- we'll believe you that you recognize the handwriting. We just want a little extra belt and suspenders, as they say, right? We already have the belt of the Adem, the Chatsum, the Moshtar. We'll add a little suspenders just for extra, for extra um, uh, right, uh, certainty and security, but we're not going to be so machmir on those suspenders, um, and we're going to allow this testimony about the brother to, to fly, even if he was, had been a katan. Okay. So now, two dots, five lines up. Right, the reason we're here in the first place, remembering that she was a basula, and she had that wedding. So my taima, why is he believed for this? After all, this is going to have a Motsi Mechavero Olivaraya aspect to it. Why? Because you are going to be Motsi Mamon. How so? Well, the Ksuba is going to be 200 Zuz instead of 100. So says the Gemara, came with the Rav Nashim, Basulos Nisos, Gilim Misl Ba'almahu. That's what Rashi says. Fascinating, last Rashi in Chavchetz Medalf. What is Gilim Misl Ba'alma? In other words, this is not real Eidus. Kloma Eina Davar Tzarech Eidus. El Lefar Seim Shiyatza Adin Laor Below Gimgum. In other words, Rov... Rove weddings are going to be basulas, right? And any wedding that you remember, there was this big giant wedding, it was a basula. So we believe that she's a basula all along. So it's again like belt and suspenders, right? We're just, we want to have, Rashi claims, it's like we just want to verify so that people can uh, feel comfortable with it, that we're not just speculating. But it's not an actual adis. Right, so any old person who says, yes, I was at the wedding, it was at the Four Seasons, it was beautiful, Yatsub Rosh the whole nine yards. Okay, one kid, you were there, good, very good. She's a basula. But we know she's a basula anyway, now we're just more comfortable, okay? Good, three lines up, now two dots, Vishay, Yishplan, Yitzhak, Vishay, Vishay, So testimony on a coin, we discussed this uh, at length earlier in the week. So I asked the Gemara, Vidilma, Eved, coin, ha, who? How do you know that the fact that he was Taivel and ate Truma, um, how, how do you know that it wasn't one of the Avadim? After all, when Okoin has Avadim, they also have, um, are allowed to eat Truma. So Gemara says, what do you mean? Messiah led Rabbi Shubin Levi. The Amishnah supports Rabbi Shubin Levi. Levi also led him Shilam and did Avda Taira. Rabbi Shubin Levi held that you're not allowed to teach the Evid Torah, the Evid Kanani. Aha. Uh-huh. So remember, what was the testimony? The testimony was, I remember after Cheder, Whenever we used to leave yeshiva, he used to be toivil. Well, an evid would never be enrolled in yeshiva. And therefore, it is that part of the testimony that actually allows us to believe that this person is an actual coin, but not, not just an evid of a coin. It says the Gemara, Velo, is it true that you're not allowed to eat, teach the evid Torah? Vatanya, we learned in Brisa, Lava he made a rabo. If a slave's right master borrowed money, Osha saw a rabo, or if he made him, appointed him, uh, apotropus, Administrator over his property. Oh, or if the Evid put on tefillin in front of his master, we're on chavchesim beis. Oh, shekara shlosha psukim beveisakneses. Or if the Evid reads three psukim, hareza lo yotzelacheros. What do you mean? Um, that that those actions, which are activities that demonstrate right cheros, uh, right? They demonstrate an Evid's freedom from his master. Right, he's borrowing money. That's unusual for a master to borrow money from his evid. That's something that you would only do if he was free, right? Or you're making him, uh, you know, uh, you could, you're allowing him, you're, you're turning his master to be like your agent, your apotropus, to, do, to go buy and sell in the market for you. You would only do that if the guy was free, right? Or tefillin, or shloshep sukim. All these things are demonstrations of freedom, 
but their demonstrations of freedom, but just because you have that minhag ben chorin does not mean that he actually was set free. That's what the Brisa says. But if you look at the Brisa close, closely, one of the cases was that the Eved is actually right, laning in Shul. So I thought that the Eved wasn't supposed to learn Torah. So how is he laning in Shul? And we're saying that it's not a sign of Cheres. Okay, so if it's not a sign of Cheres, he's still your Eved. But if he's still your Eved, why is he learning in Shul? What is he doing learning in Shul? So it says the Gemara, no. Hasam the Ikri Eved Midaito. Yeah. He likes to go to Shul. He likes to go on his own. So he could do that. But that wasn't what we said. What we said in our story was, Yeah. Uh, there's a difference between an Eved who's independently curious and wants to learn in Shul and having, sending him to Yeshiva. So that's the case, right? Because the case we were talking about is, I said, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. He was in my class. And after school, after Cheder, he used to be Toivil before dinner. Well, Eved may, may have learned Torah, but he was definitely not in your class. Right, his his master did not enroll him in Torah Tamima. Right, they actually right they just he, whatever learning he did was casual and shul. Okay, five lines down, two dots. Litva lechal betruma betruma derabanan. Gemara just points out that this has to be right truma uh, derabanan only because again these are testimonies that we're allowing on a derabanan level. So we have to point out that anything that would be derisa it would not be good enough for that. How about dividing truma at the granary? So there too, this is now going to be a cut and paste of something we learned earlier of how do we know, right? We had all those cases where we weren't sure who was a coin and who was not. Those wild cases where the babies got mixed up and we didn't know who was the coin and who was not. So we said like this, it's not, right? And that was at the end of Yavamas. So it's not Kamanda Amar. We hold like the Manda Amar. In Cholkin Truma Le'evet Elohim Ken Rabo Imo. So we hold like the mandarma that says that we're only going to give truma, right? So we had this case at the end of the Yavamas, Andrew, where the baby's mixed at birth. We didn't know which was a coin, which was the, the, the son of the, of the master, which was the son of the Eved. So we said, yeah, some said that you're not allowed to send your Eved to go get to the grocery store, to the granary, as it were, to pick up the truma. Uh, unless, and you have to go with them. Because after all, we're going to create what? The illusion, because this is where we get into the Machlokas, Rabbi Huda and Yossi. What was the machlokas? We've already mentioned it in this masechta. Some were malali yuchsin al pitruma. In a case where getting truma is going to determine your status as a kohen, in that case, we're not going to let avadim pick it up because we don't want the avadim to be mislabeled as actual kohanim. So that's the case. So again, according to the mandamar, in cholkin truma lebedelim kain rabo imo, unless the, that the actual kohen has to be there. That was Shita of Rabbi Yehuda. You might recall Rabbi Yehuda held that Malin Biyuchsin from Truma, and therefore he's more careful not to give the Evet Truma. Rabbi Yossi, however, Amar Yochelhu, he can give it. Yes, Rabbi Yossi is saying you can give the Evet the Truma because, after all, whether he's the Evet, whether, whether he's the master, he can eat Truma. Or even if he's the Avadim, Avid Karnani, he's also allowed to eat Truma, because after all, the Avadim Karnim also eat Truma. So therefore, either way, you should be able to give the Avid, right? He's allowed to go and get your groceries and get your Truma for you. Yeah, but the problem is, says the Gemara, Yeah, and when Rehuda lived, if they saw you picking up the Truma, they would assume you're a coin, and that's why we don't let you pick it up, right? They didn't. Um, assume that you were a coin when you picked it up, and that's why Rabbi Yossi allowed the Evet to pick it up, and Rabbi Yehuda did not. 
Okay, so now we're going to quote a related b'risa, which is going to seem, sound very familiar to you, Barry, from Yavama's Tzadik test. Tanya. In all my days, I was never an aide. And one time, Rabbi Lazar Yossi said, I made a testimony, and they took an Eved, and they made him a coin based off of my testimony. I made a boo-boo. I testified about him, something to do with Truma, and they, made, and they, and they assumed that he was a coin. The next day, he got an Aliyah and Shul as a coin. Says the Gemara, That implies that they took an actual Eved, and assumed he was a coin based on Rabbi Lazar Yossi's testimony. Hashta uma behemtan shul tzadikin and a kadosh baruch hu maybe to call a yadam tzadikim atzim lekoshekin. We learned in brachos already that when you have the tzadikin, it quoted the Pinchas ben Yair, right? The donkey of Pinchas ben Yair. It's really a uh, from from Chulin, but this donkey of Pinchas ben Yair, we already mentioned, we already met him in brachos. Where if you have a tzadik, they have a certain shiata d'shmaya, Andrew. They give you a psak. Not, not, no bad stuff's going to happen. And Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi, was certainly a documented tzaddik. And therefore, it's so weird that this takala would come, that they would misappropriate, right, mislabel an Eved as a coin based on his testimony. It seems unlikely that would ever happen. So that's what we said in Yavama. What he meant was, it almost happened. In other words, he didn't testify properly, and it almost led to mislabeling an Eved as a coin. But in the end, it didn't happen. What was the case? The following. Yeah. <laughs> he saw an Eved. He, he, this, is, this is not what you're supposed to do, but he saw an Eved. He saw an Eved. Turned out he was an Eved. He saw the person picking up the Truma in where? The province of Ribyosi, where the Ein Malan Leuchsen from Truma there. And then, and he went and he testified in a court of Rabbi Yehuda that I saw him pick up the Truma. Now, that you're not supposed to do, because in Rabbi Huda, it means something different than in the province of Yossi. In Rabbi Huda's province, they're not going to give Truma to anybody unless they're a verified coin. They're not giving it to the Avadim. And therefore, they're Malin Leuchsen Alpi Ha Truma, right? If they see somebody getting Truma, it's, it's, it's uh, an indication that he's a coin. But what, right? But what did Rabbi Lazar of Yossi do? He saw the incident in, in the province of Rabiosi, where it's no indicator of his kuna, and he testified it in the province of Yehuda, where it is an indicator of a kuna. And by doing so, he almost took an Eved and raised him to the status of Kohen. But he's a tzaddik, so that takala, so to speak, would have never happened based on his testimony. And what ended up happening was Bezdin looked into it. They almost elevated him to the status of a car, and they looked into it, they realized what happened, and it never actually came to the point of actually uh, giving him that status. It's just that it almost, it was a close call. Fine. Two dots in the middle here. We're saying that there were bones here. My time, why do we accept this testimony? We're talking about a base of pras, there's certain areas base of pras, right, again, you want to bring the carbon Pesach, you want to make sure that you're tummy. So when you walk around, just blow, make sure there's no little bits of bone. This we saw, I believe, in Erevin. Then we saw a base of pras trampled by many people, or maybe in Psachim, because that's to do with the Korban Pesach towards the end there. That when you're, you're bringing the Korban Pesach, you have to check to make sure that it's sufficiently trampled. My time, why does that help you? Because if a place is a well-trodden road, more traveled, then it's impossible. Every bit of bone would be f- ground, and a finely ground bit of bone is already not considered, uh, right, it's not going to transfer tumah, and therefore that's why it's derabonon. Anyway, 
that is why we allow you to have evidence, as we said, of a childhood recollection. That's really a darabanan evidence because it's a really a darabanan kind of tumah concern. Okay, what about the tchum? Says the Mishnah of Alkan Hainu Boin B'Shabbos. Says the Vugamar, Kasavar Tchum and Durabanan. There too, we believe a Tchum and Durabanan. Remember the end of Ervin, the last Mishnah, I believe it was, where we held like Rabbi, where Rabbi Kiva said the Tchum and Raisa. Maybe it's not at the last, somewhere towards the end, we brought it up again. It came up all through Ervin, that, 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 uh, that Shita, but we hold a Tchum and Durabanan, therefore these child of recollection testimonies will suffice. Okay, furthermore, you not believe to say that this was the property or the place of a certain person. That childhood recollection will, in fact, reappropriate someone's right um, territory, and that you cannot do um, because that requires a real testimony. So says the Gemara. My time, Well, because again, we don't take out money. That's a moti mechaver olavaraya. For that, we need real aiders. Finally, a Brisa says, a child is, is trusted to say, once he be, from a childhood recollection, he's trusted to say, once he reaches adulthood, as Mepharshim explained, because that he certainly needs to be an adult to be an aide. He says, my father said this mishpacha was good, they were tahar, this was tamay. Tahar, tamay, Where do we have a concept of a whole family being tamay? That's not a family affair. That's an individual thing. So what is he talking about? So the Gemara changes that, Bryce. It says, Al mishpacha zu kesher, al mishpacha zu pesula. Yeah, as Rashi explains, for kohanim. They're kosher or pasal kohanim. In other words, their kahuna is real. And back to the Bryce. Or, I remember I ate some ktsatsa at a certain chasna. What does ktsatsa mean? We'll explain. And we used to give chala to this kohen guy. So, and concerning the coin, we said we delivered to him, but not delivered by another. Gemara is going to explain what does it mean if they were converted Gentiles or, or uh, freed slaves. So, Rabbi Yochanan Broka Omer Ne'emanim. So, there's a machlokas whether he's believed with that. Rabbi Yochanan Broka Ahai. What is he talking about? He can't be talking about the seifa because that's taking out his money. And he's talking about the Ebed Kochavim that was Nishtachar. So, what's the Machlokas? Tanakama Savar came to the Kochavim who love a diet. Rabbi Yochanan Ben Broka Savar came on the diet to the Ligur and made that have a diet. The question was, do you. Again, we're talking about can you testify based on childhood memories? So what if in your childhood you were not yet Jewish? So if you were planning on converting, so then you were careful, even more careful to remember those memories. Okay, finally, my Ktsatsa, sorry for the extra minute here, the Tanar Banan, Ketsat Ktsatsa, means if you marry a woman who's unfit, the Ktsatsa referring to is a crazy situation. We know that a woman is not fit. And we think that it, we want them to know for generations that the woman is not fit. So they have a wild custom of taking a giant barrel of fruit and breaking it in the middle of the street and saying, all you children for generations, remember that we broke these fruit. Why did we break the fruit? So that the kids should ask. Meaning to catch their attention that they'll never forget it because were something to happen to this 
to the, uh, down the road, we want to know that this uh, mishpacha had some issues with it and that everybody would remember. Tomorrow you're all invited to join us for the famous pe- uh, parak of Elonaris. And with that, we'll conclude. I usually go until Chaim gets here, but he's not here yet. But, you know, also until it turns 625. So I apologize. Thanks for the extra minute. We'll see you, Vezrat Hashem, tomorrow.